passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Welcome, welcome to the show. It is rewind to raw. The start of a very quiet week here at uh, Post Wrestling. A wonderful week to have uh, audio problems galore. But we are going to power through them and uh, chat about all that is going on in the world of professional wrestling. Way, how are you feeling on this Monday? Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm hyped. Like, there's a lot to do, and I'm I'm set for it. Yeah. Well, we are already one show down today. We have kicked off our WrestleMania week coverage, and we are going to be going uh, daily up at the Post Wrestling Cafe, cafe uh, through Friday. And what did we have in store for all of our patrons on Monday? We had a chance to speak to Speedball Mike Bailey, um, arguably one of the men to watch um, all WrestleMania weekend, uh, specifically talking a lot about uh, his upcoming matches on Thursday. Uh, hell of a run between Shigehiro Irie right over across town to uh what you know uh Bloodsport and then wrestling Kota Ibushi and then wrestling T- Hiroshi Tanahashi on the very same night and uh that's also not even mentioning the rest of his schedule uh, among which Vikingo is one of those matches so um, one of those I think you could put, pick a number of them that that could potentially steal the entire weekend so we had a chance to speak to him also had a chance to speak to our friend Nick Hausman mm-hmm yeah, Nick was on to chat about his his brand new site, the House of Wrestling, uh, that he has launched, and he is going to be going down to LA for WrestleMania week coverage. And of course, with Nick Houseman, he has been on the CM Punk beat uh, for years at this point. So obviously, catching up with him uh, about the latest, breaking down Instagram posts, what is going on in AEW as it pertains to CM Punk, and maybe we are going to get yet another chapter in the saga on Tuesday when. John Moxley is going to share his side of everything. So the drama just continues in professional wrestling and we will have you covered, but a great interviews today with Nick and with speedball, Mike Bailey. So if you are a member at the post wrestling cafe, you can listen to both of those interviews immediately. And we are going to be back Tuesday with Dave Meltzer of the wrestling observer newsletter. Wednesday, we'll be chatting the business of WrestleMania with Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics. Thursday, we are going to be doing a big WrestleMania preview with Davey Portman. And then Friday, uh, we are going to be getting into uh, some of the reviews from the night before. And we will be coming at you twice on Friday. What's what's one show a day when you can do two? So we will have an afternoon show uh, looking at the night prior and ahead. And then late Friday night after Supercard of Honor, we will also 
be doing a show. And that all leads into the weekend where we will be live here on the Post YouTube channel immediately following WrestleMania nights one and two. So subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the Post Wrestling Cafe, and you won't miss a minute. You won't miss an interview. You won't miss an audio glitch that comes your way over the next week. Make sure you have good headphones. And uh, for, for God's sakes, coil your cables nicely, everybody. Okay, I think that's the lesson we've learned. Lots of, lots of lessons to uh, be learned. So that is all coming up this week. Also want to uh, mention our good pals at Poison Rana, the, uh, the, the convention goers themselves. They are going to be hosting a two-night watch party in downtown Toronto at Gabby's for WrestleMania nights one and two. So if you want to go get yourself to 309 King Street West, tickets are available at poisonrana.ca. They have got prizes which we have had a sneak peek at some of them, and they are exquisite. They will be doing wrestling-themed trivia, and we have even had a sneak peek at the drink menu. So all that and more uh, coming up this Saturday and Sunday. What better way to check out WrestleMania than by going to the live watch party and then uh, on the ride home, flipping us on in whatever technology suits you. Have you ever wondered what a Samoan spike might taste like? Um, I would imagine that it uh, it goes down painfully. <laughs> we, I mean, only one way to find out, and that's by going to Gabby's uh, for this WrestleMania party. So uh, they're always fun, you know, when when you're watching wrestling with Braden and Davey. So if you're in Toronto, probably fewer pl- better places to go and watch. They have a non-alcoholic menu, and I was definitely eyeing the Brooks Jensen. I think that's like the best drink on there for my personal taste. And it's not even, there's no alcohol in it. Uh, can I reveal at least some of the ingredients? I have it. Why not? Why not? Sure. I mean, read the Brooks Jensen. Okay. This is on the straight edge menu. Pineapple juice, ginger beer, and lime juice in a mule mug. Like this is a mule minus, minus the, the alcohol, but with the addition of pineapple juice, which is a, I've never tried pineapple juice with ginger beer, but I am, I would definitely try this. I think they perfectly encapsulated Brooks Jensen in a in a cocktail. I mean, what more, more like you just put those drinks together and you would come out with a human being of Bull Buchanan's son. Oh, I mean, I, you know, a virgin drink. That's it. I mean, it it. It, it fits the, the gimmick. It fits the uh, it looks like a wonderful drink. Well, yeah. We won't reveal the rest of them because they're no. Davey has done some fantastic. I'm going to give Davey most of the credit on the drinks, I will assume. But uh, mm-hmm. that is coming up uh, this weekend. So lots to come this week. We hope you uh, join us throughout the week. There will be plenty of shows coming your way. But we also have. What else to discuss? Way? I don't want to move on too quickly if I've forgotten something. I feel like there's a million things. I, I think I think we we really just want to let people know about all the bonus coverage at the Post Wrestling Cafe this weekend. Looking forward to everything. Looking forward to talking to other people. Um, and let's talk about what we have to talk about tonight. All right. Well, we are going to be discussing WrestleMania and the latest ticket figures, uh, courtesy of WrestleTix. So the second night has now eclipsed 64,000 tickets. Um, So they currently stand at about 64,386 and then night one at 63,053. Obviously, you can probably expect some increases to these numbers throughout the week going into Saturday and Sunday. And we heard throughout the broadcast tonight what you can probably aim to expect to hear on Saturday and Sunday night, the everybody with a heartbeat or just out of thin air creating where people with heartbeats could 
theoretically stand in that arena. So Corey Graves constantly noting over 75,000 people expected. So I'm thinking we're getting no less than an announcement of 80 on Saturday and Sunday night. Sure. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds about right. And then you'll of course get the combined attendance, you know, over the two nights on the Sunday. Um, why don't they just say, just say 200,000. Why not? (laughs) Like how high that should be their game is how ridiculous can we go that outlets will run with the number? Like, could we say 250,000 were here over two nights and would people run with that? Um, what's their limit? (sighs) I think they very much like are at the limit anyway. Like, I think that's exactly the game that they play. And the announced attendance is basically the end result of the game that you just suggested. You know, 200 something thousand is is going to be a bit tough for anybody who, you know, is used to watching any sort of football game. Um, Or did they suddenly cram in, you know, 50,000 seats on top? There have been years they have exaggerated by 20,000 people. Like they have created like that is larger than a than a, a. giant arena of heartbeats that they have created yeah. uh, like the 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 largest gate ever was the first year at AT&T Stadium in 2016 and it was the number they threw out was like 101 which was over 20,000 from the turnstile count right now could you physically fit uh, like that many people in if if you had to like could people fill the the, the corridors and, and just every you know nook and cranny of that building can you can you actually fit that many people in there like um yes much like this show could be downloaded by a billion people that have access to (laughs) this podcast that physically could happen would it be irresponsible of me to say that we had a billion downloads probably but technically that many people could find this on their device I suppose it just comes down to how many people will be calling you on, on, on your bullshit if you were to say that. And I suppose in, in their case, they were able to get away with it for 39 years without too many people calling attention to it. Well, um, very, very interested as well to see the um, the gate that they usually do uh, release. And the the trick with their their gate figures are like it's you could argue they. They include the the service fees that, that you will spend for your tickets, which most places do not include the fees. But it was the difference of like four hundred thousand dollars for the Royal Rumble gate that we saw with uh, the WrestleNomics reporting of the gate was seven point three. They announced seven seven. So the gate, I mean, you there is a like that's a real number give or take the the fees that are attached to it this is not going to be as big as that at&t stadium show that was 17.3 million but between both nights um like they are probably looking at eight to nine million dollar gates so the combined gate could very well be ahead of that but it, it really does put into focus how big that 2016 show was in texas uh that they did and, that and it, in it, a one it, night it, setting yeah, and if they could go back and do two nights there again um, with a hot enough program, I suppose, really, it it, it probably requires that as well. Um, yeah, so um, ultimately what matters is the, the big number that they'll be touting in their press release, you know, come Monday. And w- is this going to be a record-breaking event? I mean, for, for, from money generated, it should be their, their biggest because of the second night that it will certainly be for, for that weekend. Um, your, your biggest WrestleMania, I would believe coming, coming out of this um, in terms of the, the two night amount of revenue that you are going to take into this. And all indicators are 
very promising going into this. They held a live event on Sunday in Denver, Colorado at the Ball Arena. And Russell Tick's noting 9,653 tickets distributed. That is a phenomenal number for a house show. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the, The last time they ran that arena, it was for Raw. Uh, last February, they were up 57% in tickets distributed for this year's house show that featured a main event of Cody Rhodes, Braun Strowman, and Ricochet beating the Usos and Solo Sokoa. So it, it this is certainly a year that you can look at the, yes, you are in the lead up to WrestleMania, but this is also a year where it is not, like these are your main everyday players that are driving this year's business. This is not, we are going to the past that we are bringing back all these names. Like with due respect to Lita and Trish Stratus, like they are not the difference makers this year for WrestleMania. They are complementing their program, but this is a year that it is built around Cody. It's built around Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and it's built around people that are going to be around the next month and the month after that. So it's, incredibly promising and their house shows have been doing incredibly well you're coming off last week where they were in st louis monday night vegas on friday it's it's huge and it's going to certainly be very interesting to see the the spring numbers and how much this catapults beyond mania and the idea that you have sort of this shifting of the guard if you're coming out with a brand new champion and cody and potentially new tag champions and it's it's feels like a a fresh coat of paint and all these different programs that you can go to post mania is this more you know proof and i guess more sort of um in 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 the on the resume of a paul Levesque, you know to be able to say hey look how good business is we're heading towards my first wrestlemania and look look at how well we've done with our roster our house shows you know not having to resort to you know special attraction it's it's really interesting. They were talking about this on on WrestleNomics on Sunday. Like, what what would the television and by extension, like how that would trickle down to house show performances be if we were building to a Roman Reigns Rock match? And there is no doubt that that two month period would be great for the the shows that The Rock is coming up on. It would be a giant Mania match, but. The long term is what is your May pay-per-view looking like? And what are your house shows looking like where uh, Reigns is not working the house shows, Rock is not working the house shows, and would people be as have such a hunger for this if a Cody was feuding with a Rollins or a Gunther or somebody else like in, in a mid-card program? And that's I think that is something in the, the Paul Levesque run and there there is good and bad that you have seen from Paul Levesque over this long amount of time now going back to the summer uh, of his booking philosophies and where he's been building towards but I think the biggest positive of all of this is that you are doing it with your regular players you are not hot shotting things and a lot of it it's been sort of simmering these programs to peak for the time of the year you want them to and it's building a lot of anticipation. It's building to a hug. It's building to Ray striking Dominic, making your audience want it and peaking at the right time. So I would say like this has been a, a, a big feather in his cap in the sense of taking the players that you have and and utilizing them that has are getting people to go out and buy tickets, which is you no know, not not what you're living and dying with at this point. But it does tell you what the engagement in the product is like. And it's greatly elevated. 
Mm-hmm. And it's by no means perfect, you know, as we'll probably talk about as we review Raw um, up and down this card, there are certainly issues, but at least for their top programs, definitely you can look at the talent that you have in a Sami Zayn and the Kevin Owens and, and the bloodline and, you know, um, Cody, um, just being able to, you know, deliver on every sort of given appearance, but it, it requires a system that allows them to perform um, and really, you know, take those big swings and thankfully for them it's all worked out so yeah well it hasn't worked out for everybody ronda rousey uh was not happy with some of her recent booking and uh andrew thompson recapping this on the site that as rousey was promoting the newest episode of her ronda on the road youtube series on instagram she reflected on the feud with Liv morgan and wonders what it could have been if they weren't hamstrung by a bunch of octogenarians a person that is in the 80 to 89 age range Showbuzz Daily would categorize this as 50 plus, but um, that's a very specific demo um, that Rhonda's targeting that I, I don't know who she's isolating because I don't think anyone would fall into that category. And she, yeah, included here, uh, what if we had not been hamstrung by a bunch of octogenarians who still think they know how to be hip while putting a total of five minutes of thought a week into each women's storyline? My first question is, is there any... Um, Throw out the the octogenarian line and whoever she is uh, assigning that to. I think it's worth going over like the timeline here of this Lib Morgan program that when it began with the cash in, that was still under the Vince regime at the beginning of July. And then several weeks later, that's when Vince steps down and Paul Levesque takes things over. They have the rematch at SummerSlam, which is, you know, Paul is taking over almost a a week before SummerSlam. Like your plans are probably at least locked in it had that really poor finish that people were critical of where it's the uh the pin while she's in the arm bar by live and then they continue the program throughout the summer and it ends with ronda rousey regaining the title at extreme rules and that whole period like that is that is paul levesque so i mean this this is one where yeah the beginning was on vince but the the middle and end was on Paul Levesque. And Mm -hmm. this is something that we we have talked about many times when making the comparison to AEW. It's not too often you get a WWE talent being so public about booking choices and in particular being uh, poor booking choices as she makes it pretty clear here. Sure. Yeah. Um, And she is Ronda Rousey. You know, she's somebody who um, I feel like maybe the the full story on maybe like what Ronda was supposed to do for this particular WrestleMania might ultimately come out and and we'll probably be talking about Ronda's 2023 a a whole lot more into detail the the more we find out. But she she seems like she's in I don't give a fuck mode. And uh, if you're judging maybe by her performances, if you're judging by the critical reception and the audience reception to those performances, we know Ronda Rousey is somebody who really lives off of like positive reinforcement and when she gets any sort of negative reinforcement whether it be of of her own doing in her performances in mma um or critical reception in in the case of professional wrestling she just gets into bad moods and you know you're you're seeing that come out here uh, publicly um I think, though, she brings up a good point. And and I think one of the sore spots of this Paula Beck run has been, surprisingly, the weak job um, that he's done with the women's divisions on both Raw and on SmackDown. Rhea Ripley aside, you know, that has been a project that has really worked out, I would say. But beyond that, honestly, up and down. Has anybody really shown that they're in a better place? Um, all these names that they've brought in, how many of them are actually over? Um, you know, Ronda Rousey... 
should be a star and you can blame a lot of it on the performances and her maybe ineptitude for being a professional wrestling heel but um i think like a you know a good booker would somehow be able to try to mm, salvage whatever star power is left in or at least to, to try to build that up and you know her 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 story and whatever she did with Liv Morgan certainly didn't make any waves. Yeah, and I think it does tie into what we were just discussing. Like like with Paul Levesque, you can certainly like to be fair, like you have to give him the wins, but you also have to address the L's. And for me, it was it was pretty staggering when they put up that graphic on SmackDown for the Andre Battle Royal and how many of those were ones that had been released that Paul brought back. And there's a fair amount of, and listen, not everyone's going to be a winner that comes back. You give people their opportunity and hopefully they are booked well, but it's also incumbent on getting over. Not everybody is going to be a winner, but you just saw like there were a lot of L's on that graphic of ones that have come back that are ultimately not figured into mania plans. And many of them were on the cut list that were brought back. And on on the women's side, I, I think you can certainly say that a lot were brought back and this is sort of like the discussion that we'll have a lot about AEW and that comes to like the number of matches and recently I was going through like Raw and Smackdown and listen there is plenty of females on all of the cards like there are there are usually at least one if not two matches per show but it's like strictly having match time we can clearly see like that is not just going to be your, your gateway to stardom. How many women have, have gotten over to a significant extent. Rhea Ripley is the big winner. She has been, um, and she's achieved that mainly by staying out of the women's division. So what is that? It's a good point that she was not really engaging in the, in the women's program. She was in something different, uh, up until the rumble. And then they went full steam ahead and she is poised to be a major star coming out of WrestleMania. So I look at that as a victory. But you're right. She was kept away from the women's division during all of 2022 for the most part once Judgment Day came together. So it's, you know, that is that is certainly an area that you you have to look at. And like just this WrestleMania showcase. And it's a lot of just extra women being thrown together. Some makeshift teams and those obviously we don't know what the situation is with Carmella, but have forced them to have it. I'm also going to say, though, for, for Ronda Rousey, I don't think anyone's looking at this and stating, man, what a what a poor usage of Ronda Rousey. I think to the audience's viewpoint is that Ronda has not stepped up to a level where they see her needing a giant spot at WrestleMania. And granted, she's been working hurt, obviously, and is probably mm-hmm. gutting through a lot right now. I think she deserves a lot of credit for that. But on just the non-wrestling elements as well, like that has not clicked in the, this heel run and you just look at her and you know she's in a position on this show that i think is kind of fitting of where her character has been these last nine months yeah yeah and i, I would say not at all a difference maker in whether or not anybody is choosing to you know buy a ticket to these shows or watch these shows it, it, it's a bit of a throwaway match and again yeah there's some caveats there with maybe her um not necessarily uh you know being touch and go and, and not necessarily being cleared until recently perhaps um you still figure though somebody who should be um, that big of a mainstream name would have some sort of more significant role and a significant presence again, but I don't know what what her sort of, you know, <laughs> is she is she being cooperative? I, you know, we we don't know that 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 all just kind of comes down to speculation, I guess. Stacy Keebler is the latest entrant into the WWE Hall of Fame. 
as broken by pwinsider.com and uh, allowing people to uh, announce it today uh, as well. And Stacy Keebler will be going in. This is this is the one everyone has assumed is the one that Mick Foley is was contacted to uh, induct her for. Uh, Mick Foley just stating he received a request from somebody to induct them. And we, we do not know any of the inductors yet, except for um, it, it had been stated that Ric Flair would be inducting uh, Keiji Muto. So uh, that is the one known. And I guess we're, we're going to see about Conan. He is maintaining until they announce it. Um, you, you can't assume anything is official. And and then we've got Andy Kaufman, which, of course, the obvious one would be Jerry Lawler. And I would think the second option for them would be Jimmy Hart and or a bill after i think those are sort of the three that you would be looking at jerry lawler being the obvious one and you would certainly question if jerry lawler is not up to doing it health wise would this be the best year to induct andy kaufman then that makes you think that lawler i mean this this is a guy who had a major health issue years ago and then he worked wrestlemania and that was just weeks later so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm thinking if they're putting in kaufman they're they were doing it with the obvious knowledge of Jerry Lawler being involved. I would think so too. I mean, he, 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 the moment that Andy Kaufman is attached to professional wrestling is directly attached to Jerry Lawler. He's in all the clips. If he doesn't present, I would hope that he, he'd be well enough to at least accept. I think that would be, you know, um, uh, fitting as well. Um, But, you know, just some sort of presence from, from the uh, Lawler, I think, I think is to be expected. Um, Maybe they'll get David Letterman. Uh, an old Dick kind of doubtful. fan, yeah, kind of doubtful. Uh, who, who else? Who else are we missing? Uh, is that it? That's it. Uh, that's the that's the class, right? Those are the four, and we'll yeah. see. Like they haven't announced a Warrior Award winner, so potentially right. maybe they they throw in uh, a fifth, and I guess we'll we'll have to know about that by Friday. So, what, <laughs> what do you think? What's your interest in in the Hall of Fame, Way? Um, I, I would say about the same. I, I, I'm very interested in seeing heartfelt speeches, um, especially from Rey Mysterio, because mm-hmm. yes, he, he has he's the one with the most reason to, I think, um, I don't know, have have a have an angle uh, attached to, to his particular speech. But I, there's usually enough room to, like, you know, tell the truth in, in these and, and they feel very real, at least to the performers that are speaking. So um, I expect him to, you know, name a lot of names because he's had a very long career. Um, what else? What, um, Kaufman. Yeah. Mild, mild interest. You know, I, I think the story's just kind of already been told there, but you know, maybe to see Lawler talk about it would be interesting. Um, KG Muto. Uh, did you hear that Kaito Kiyomiya is coming to yeah. be like his assistant for the weekend. So if he needs to get wheeled around, he's going to be playing Darby. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I wonder what that speech is going to sound like. I mean, I don't, I don't know um, if KG Muto's speeches have, have been that well received uh, recently this year, but um, sure, why not? Ric Flair, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I've got to say, for, for the Hall of Fames this weekend, it, it's the Indie Hall of Fame that I'm really looking forward to on that Sunday. Like, I'm I, I'm hoping I can carve out enough of my day on Sunday to watch that because I loved that show last year and the inductees that they have this year, like uh, Michael Modest, uh, Paul London, Excalibur, Christopher Daniels, cheerleader mm-hmm. Melissa. Um, there, I, I just expect that to be a really great feel-good show. With um, you know, it's it's kind of it's a stripped-down version of your WWE Hall of Fame. It's just the speeches, 
fun stories. It's a loose atmosphere. I thought they hit it out of the park last year. So I think that could be one of the highlights if it's not kind of uh, lost in the, uh, the abyss of WrestleMania uh, weekend coming up. Numbers, uh, we just have SmackDown numbers because Rampage aired on Saturday. So that number will be out on Tuesday. SmackDown did 2,219,000 viewers and a 0.58 in the demo, both down 2% from the last week. Uh, They were going up against a ton of NCAA basketball competition on CBS, on TBS, and then you had the women's games on ESPN. And 18 to 34, only down 2%. The fact that they had such a minimal um, loss against all this basketball, I actually viewed this as as a positive number uh, for SmackDown, even though it was technically their lowest since mid-December. Uh, Canada, they did uh, 239,000 viewers, actually was up in the demo this week, and number three on Friday among sports programs behind the Jays and Raptors. Jays, Raptors, and SmackDown. That's what Canadians were watching on Friday night. Are, are any of them doing good this year? Uh, well, Jays, it's still preseason. Uh, yeah. Raptors are they're, they're doing all right. Are you going to go to a Jays uh, game this season? Doubtful. Doubtful. Okay. Yeah. NXT, Tuesday night. It was taped last week, so we know all the matches already. We have the Battle Royal for the uh, the prestigious final spot in the North American five-way. Vaughn Wagner against Tyler Bate. Electra Lopez against Valentina Farosh. Eddie Thorpe, the former Carl Fredericks, makes his on-screen debut against Miles Bourne. We have a last-chance qualifier with Ivy Nile, Indy Hartwell, and Sol Ruka. Hank Walker takes on Drew Gulak and Josh Briggs. And Pineapple Brooks Jensen taking on Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stax Lorenzo. What would a Channing Stax Lorenzo consist of? Mm. Like gin yeah. and something um, Italian. Okay. Some, uh, yeah. maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, after all. Okay. Well, there you go. That's NXT. And uh, finally, we've got Dynamite on Wednesday night. So the lineup has Adam Cole's first match back taking on Daniel Garcia. Kenny Omega will defend the IWGP United States Championship against Jeff Cobb, who is originally was coming to confront him and get a, given a title match. Well, well if you're going to be there anyway, might as well give him a title shot, I guess. Eh? You're booked. Yeah. Orange Cassidy against the Butcher for the international title. That should be an interesting match. Moxley, Claudio, and Yuta against Dalton Castle and the boys. Jack Perry against Matt Hardy and Ruby Soho against Willow Nightingale. And they're also taping Rampage and they are taping the go-home edition of ROH to air the next day before mm. Supercard of Honor. So that is ah. what you will be getting if you are in St. Louis on Wednesday. Okay. All right. And of course, All Access debuts. That's right. All Access will be debuting. And I think we will chat about that on Thursday's uh, Cafe Show. Uh, Wayne and I will have a chance to watch All Access. We'll chat about that on Thursday. And if anything comes out of Renee Paquette's podcast, she was able to land John Moxley on her show on Tuesday. And uh, if uh, anything of note comes out of that, we will talk about that on uh, Tuesday, uh, the Cafe Show, which, again, we will be joined by Dave Meltzer on Tuesday. So postwrestlingcafe.com for that show. Are you ready? to chat about raw from the footprint center in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm ready. Yes. It is our go home edition before WrestleMania announcing uh, over 11,600 in attendance. They called it a sellout here, giant crowd in Phoenix. And we're starting off with Ms. TV with his guests, Trish Stratus, Lita and Becky Lynch. And Ms. is asking Becky how it feels knowing she couldn't take out damage control by herself and needed help. So Becky calls him an insecure man with tiny balls. 
and that Maurice must not have gotten around if she considers Mrs. Balls massive. She then goes on to call damage control vermin, and then Ms. asks Lita and Trish about playing backup. Lita says, I've got this title. I'm not playing backup to anyone. So damage control are out, and Bailey cuts a promo stating that at one time, this would be a dream for them, but Lita and Trish only meant something 20 years ago, to which Trish points out, um, Lita's got a title here. That makes her relevant now. And Bailey uh, is getting the what treatment. She seemed to take it in better stride than Charlotte on Friday. But man, these what chants have, I feel, made a giant comeback over this last week or two. It doesn't help that like they're they're acknowledged and therefore encouraged and reacted to. Um, they they remain like an effective way for the crowd to get the performers' attention. Yeah, I feel this should be taught at the performance center how to combat mm. the NXT chants with like your inflections. I I I would bet they do too as well. Like mm-hmm. there is a way to just not give the opening for it, but every performer needs to be ready for these. And so so in your opinion, their what, existence. So I, I think Bailey did really well here. You know, like she she acknowledged it, which, uh, you know, it, it, I guess you could debate it. But I mean, she's a pro at this point. You know, she acknowledged it and then was able to carry on her sentence to not allow room for the crowd to continue. And I thought she actually, you know, pulled cut it off pretty effectively here. And often when you do like try to shut it down, the audience typically gets the hint. Yeah, that's all they want. The audience just wants attention. Really. It, it It's a horrible it's a horrible chant that has lasted over two decades uh, remarkably. Mm-hmm. So she screams them down. Then Becky cuts a promo calling sky and Kai lackeys. And you've all just been doing the same old tired stuff since SummerSlam. And she thought this would end multiple times, but it will end at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, you know, this, like many of the other women's programs heading to WrestleMania is one that I felt like was, was pretty lacking in story. You know what this has, kind of going for it is that you you have two you know hall of famers coming in and that makes it an attraction um but they haven't really given us a whole lot of story really the story was you know whatever was going on between becky lynch and damage control and this has simply been an extension of it and i felt like you know becky pretty much said as as much i sensed a lot of like uh, or i could believe that there was a lot of real frustration um in in becky's promo here because when you just look at the story, I mean, this really did culminate nicely with that cage match that the two of them had. Um, and there was really no reason to continue the feud beyond that other than simply them needing something for any, all of these people to, to do at a WrestleMania. Um, so in terms of story, I, I don't think this has much reason to exist. Um, but I am also kind of looking at it as maybe more of a jumping off point, you know, or maybe more of a transition for, for Becky Lynch between her last story and her upcoming story. And um, you, the rumor is maybe a Trish heel turn as the direction. And I, I could certainly see that happening. That would be somewhat fresh. I think that's what a lot of people are leaning towards. And the fact that they have not taken the tag titles off that, Lita has to continue for at least a period after this. That that would make sense. And the way this segment was structured, it is sort of Trish as like the third wheel here. Mm-hmm. They've been kind of like almost purposely keeping her quiet. You know, she was the one to get get the beat down, I, I suppose. Um, and honestly, we haven't really had a whole lot. So I'm I'm almost looking for this as almost like, you know, the first chapter of a longer story. 
Well, Becky Lynch and EO Sky had a nice match. I thought that EO Sky, I mean, she really did showcase like she has been a background player for a long time, but they got uh, 11 and a half minutes here. Uh, Corey Graves not only throwing out the 75,000 number, but man, we got several warnings throughout the show. Give yourself time. You know what LA traffic is like. So get there as early as you can. Thank God we haven't booked another show on Saturday for you to have to get from one place to the other. But give yourself you time. That, are there people that would just like camp out, you know, in the parking lot or something overnight? R- wrestling fans, of course, of course. Yeah, there are probably people setting up tents as we speak at SoFi. So there's a shote by by Sky, and then uh, we see a baseball slide drop kick by Becky. Manhandle slam gets countered into a stomp, and an abridging German by Sky. She goes for a springboard into a drop kick, sending Becky off the top turnbuckle. Follows with an Asai moonsault, misses with over the moonsault, pair of cradles, and it ends with them on their feet. And Lynch hitting the manhandle slam to win in eleven thirty one. A nice match to start the show. Good match. Yeah, very good chemistry between Becky and EO. You know, um, th- this might be the strongest in-ring pairing you, you might have between the two teams. And EO looked really good. And, you know, the, if these two have a future world title program, I think you, you'd you have a better, you know, like, it, this was like a good preview of what that might have looked like. EO needs to get away from just the tags and stuff. They, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot more to be had with her on, on this main roster. And when we're talking about having some fresh opponents for your various champions, like EO Sky would be someone that I, I hope is, um, as we get past this program, we can have less, like you can keep damage control together, but more of a singles focus on her. I wonder, you know, uh, maybe she's more effective as a baby face, but then you can continue to run into these issues um, of, you know, um, what stories, you know, are, are they able to tell with people who don't necessarily cut English promos? They've been successful with Oscar in the past. I don't know why now feels so different. EO can speak, though, English. And I I don't know. I, I've never looked at the language handicap. Of course not, that. John. Absolutely not. I mean, NXT, I think, is proof of that. But on the main roster, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to at least be as consistent oh not not at all like it 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 is a big it, it is a big handicap on on the main roster that they have not been able to get through with people um oscar being a primary one in this this lead up but again i think that's just um you know that forces you to be creative and there's a lot of different paths that that you can take i hope that some of those are found with with eo so tonight uh, what we have been talking about for a month with Oscar and Bianca, they did. Neither of them were on the show, and instead they just aired two video packages on the two with others putting them over uh, with Graves, Zelina, Kevin Owens, Molly uh, pushing. The Oscar video package was hilarious because 90% of it was her NXT run being undefeated for over 900 days. And then she came up to the main roster and then she conquered everyone there. Like that was almost just like a side note at, at the end. But listen, at the end of it, they were trying their best to position this as this, this big showdown between two, um, two big rivals, um, which was fine. But to me, it, it's, it was a little bit too little too late. But again, mm-hmm. as we've said many a time, this is going to be judged on the final product this weekend. Yep. I don't think the buildup is going to be remembered at all, uh, nor mm-hmm. the, was any of it memorable to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this was the most effective week we've had for for this Oscar versus Belair ma- uh, match, and neither of them were, were in attendance. But 
what it did was focus in on i think what what makes the two of them special and that's their incredible in-ring ability having everybody talk them up as you know being two of the best performers um and I think like it tells you if they have a chance to do a feud like this in the future, maybe between two very strong baby faces um, without that much chemistry uh, on the microphone, maybe you just keep it to something like this, you know, keep it focused on the match itself, limit the interactions and let other people do the talking for them. This from the beginning probably should have just been about what is this match going to look like, you know, between two people. I mean, they have wrestled before, but not on the, not on the grandest stage of them all, John, you know, so um, they could, you know, just asking these sort of questions, bringing us back to like the, t- the time when both of them might have been um, going through some sort of undefeated streak and asking, well, what's this going to look like? Kathy Kelly is with Seth Rollins and asks him, what's it been like to get knocked out by Logan Paul twice? Mustafa Ali interjects and he is now positive Ali. Positively. Mm. Positively, yeah. This really is really stretch for that it's one. It's funny when we, we think like retribution was rock bottom and the man rock bottom is just it's another place to dig and he has found it. He's going through his shorty G phase right now. Boy, yeah. I don't know. He's had a few of these. Rollins sarcastically says that he loves this positive character and mentions how Ali was trying to get a US title shot at him for forever. Well, tonight you can have a chance against me. So you think, okay. Mustafa Ali and Seth Rollins. Here's a chance for Ali to at least have a, a nice showing. But on the go-home show, um, tonight was not about making Ali. Uh, Rollins killed him with a stomp while he was in the Tree of Woe and then hit the most brutal stomp where Ali took this thing amazingly, like going yeah. right down, 208. Um, I'm not going to argue. That's what tonight's show should have been. It's all Rollins and Ali just left in the dust here. And then Rollins cut a promo that... He wants to get his hands on Logan and that he, if he loses to Logan Paul, Logan Paul isn't the joke. He is. I was thrown out of the rumble by him. He cost me at Elimination Chamber, cheap shot me twice. And in five days, it's Logan Paul's birthday, but they won't be singing happy birthday. They'll be singing my song. And the whole crowd hummed. And that that should be a cool scene at Mania when you have that amount of people doing the, the Rollins theme, which I'm sure they will on the first night. So um, that was our our setup for Logan Paul and Seth on Saturday night. Yeah, they they did it about as much as they needed to for this Rollins Logan Paul match. To, tonight was really just about reminding you that hey, the the match is happening. Um, and for Ali and Dolph to just make them look good, and Ali took this finisher really well. This this gimmick, um, I I don't know. I don't know if it's did wonders sort of- for DDP. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, and of course you, you'd want to replicate that twenty years later. Um, I, I, I'd love to like this is his stardust. You know, he's just setting this up. You know, for his big comeback, he's gonna start his own promotion, work the indies, start his own promotion with a group of friends, come back, and then main event WrestleMania and cut promos about how he had to do this shit and how he overcame it. Ollie in. <laughs> That should have been the the character. His hometown of Chicago. Yeah. Corbin. I I thought you meant like an alien gimmick, which, you know, would I'm sure is what's next for him. Uh, Listen, we're we're going into the spring. There's there's plenty, I'm sure, that they can uh, can find for the man. 
Corbin is with Adam Pierce complaining about doing all this media for WrestleMania, but he's not booked, which I personally found hilarious because I th- there was a time period when, you know, we we would get different WWE people to promote events and like they would send us people that like weren't even booked on the event. And it was always the most frustrating interview. It was like, yeah, what, are, so what am I coming up this about? Sunday? It's the Royal Rumble. Um, well, the Royal Rumble is a bad example, but, you know, your, your pay-per-view, where it's like this person isn't even going to be on the show, but they were the ones <laughs> sent out to promote it. And it never made any sense to me. No, exactly. Like, what do you talk to them about? You know, how how is your autograph signing? Um, How is your access? You know, would you like to be on the card next year? Like that, that's, that's about as much as you could talk about. Sure. Yeah. You can't, it's like, Hey, last year you were on this show, um, but this year you're not. (laughs) What happened? Um, I know. know. Anyway, Corbin, the man who ended Kurt Angle's career at uh, WrestleMania is not booked. He's in the, he's in the battle Royal, I think on Friday. He also like, uh, yeah, he is. He he definitely is. He they he also inferred that he was supposed to have a match with Boogs, and then it got cut. Okay, yeah, he was like he was complaining to Pierce about um how he wanted to get out of his slump. He was supposed to have the match with Boogs, and then that wasn't happening. Okay, Pierce uh, was just I'll, like, I'll take his word for it. Pierce was just like, you're going to be in the battle royal, whatever. Chelsea Green walked in. She wants in the WrestleMania showcase, and Pierce explains, you don't have a partner. Piper Niven wants nothing to do with you, which is a bad move on Niven's part. I mean, she kind of like cut herself out of mania by excommunicating herself from Chelsea. She has her eyes on the battle royal. Actually, that's not even happening this year. No, there is no women's battle royal. So she's going to have her eyes on the show from the press box. Mm. So Green doesn't want to be mansplained by Adam Pierce. Sonya Deville enters. So Pierce books them together against Meechin and Candice LeRae. And it ends with Corbin walking in asking, seriously? So what was Pierce going to do if this interaction didn't occur? What was he, how, who was he going to put for, for that final slot? He was probably going to just give it to Meechin and Candice LeRae. Oh, okay. okay. It works like that. You wouldn't give it to I mean, one of the other teams? What else could you do? There's no other teams. A last chance uh, thing that they, they've done with all the teams. There wasn't home. even a first chance for some of these people. Like Ronda and Baszler just got in. Right, right. Well, she's a big star. This women's tag division, it, it needs some resuscitation after WrestleMania. Yeah. We had the weigh-in. How did this rank among other weigh-ins? We, we didn't even get both guys weighing in. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a qualification? Would you rather yes, not have yes, the weights they... or for a scale to have a uh, malfunction? You yeah. know what I bet happened? I bet you that they do um, same-day weigh-ins. Or, or not same day weigh-ins, but they did the early weigh-ins. So Brock and Omos probably got up and weighed in at like 9 a.m. And this was just yeah. the public weigh-in. So he, it was just for show anyway. Right. Okay. Omos then, made fine. 265 and then he ballooned up to 410 over the day. Got all that water weighed in. I'd love and to know what the Pedialyte. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Omos and MVP come out first and MVP cuts a promo. They respect Lesnar, but, and he has conquered some of the greatest like angle Goldberg and reigns, but his crowning achievement was ending the undertaker streak. And unlike others, he cannot suplex nor F five Omos. And I like that this line is in there. There is an obstacle for Lesnar to achieve on in the match and people will go wild for either or both of these. And you have pretty much telegraphed that, at nothing else, you're going to get a suplex and an F5 yeah. of this giant Omos in this match. I think professional wrestling just really exposes how much, like, how much we are similar to babies. Because um, all you have to do is just tell a child, Shiny hey, toy. you 
can't you can't do yeah hey there's no way you could finish you know this this uh this scoop of um you know uh <laughs> i don't know uh avocados uh and pasta there's no way you, you could you could eat this all by yourself can you <laughs> uh yes i can and then that's that's it you just have to say you can't do something you can't do something and you're gonna make the audience really want to see it and then they'll deliver it and then everybody will cheer so Easy. Imagine Brock just burst into tears when you told him he can't do this. <laughs> yeah, he threw a tantrum. Yeah. No, I listen, this is the one of the most like bare bones, easiest, simplest builds that they have on this entire program. And I think that's to the advantage of an Omos who's extremely limited. And I think they're doing a really great job with like, you know, that just the the sheer size of, of the men. That's that's all that's just the only story you need to be focused on. Brock comes out and he just attacks Omos and can't get him off his feet. So he lifts up the scale, but gets dropped by a boot and it's Lesnar selling going back to the floor as they chant suplex city. And Kevin Patrick did mention that this was taking place on Saturday. So this was just Lesnar. It's like he has met his match. He cannot overpower this guy. He is it. All the angles are Lesnar selling for Omos, which is the way you have to do this. And then he gets the big uh, Herculean feat of strength uh, on Saturday. We've seen Brock like cower and retreat in the past, but a as a heel, we haven't necessarily seen it on this babyface run. And it it's really interesting to see Brock Lesnar play this underdog role that he's. Uh, I don't know if he's well, like maybe back in like '03 or something. Like he he might have played something similar, but this is a completely different, you know, Brock Lesnar. I mean, and you can't do this like a normal Lesnar program where he's throwing the guys around in the lead up because that's that's the whole payoff to this. Yeah. It's like you pretty much have to do this as simple as you can. And that that's what this is. It requires Lesnar to be in this underdog role. And it makes this novel like I, I think they've been doing a good job, you know, and, and part of this is because um Brock has great explosiveness. Anytime he grabs an object that should not be a weapon, like a car door or like an office chair or like um, you know, a forklift. Like in this case, he he picked up a scale. You fear for the lives of the people around the ring, and it's very exciting to watch. You know, when you're not there in person. So I really enjoyed that, and I I love how strong they're making Omos look in all of this. So it's been a an exercise in I think minimalism. You know, this this building will. I'm sure it'll be successful when they get to it. There was a Flair Ripley video package and. In the in the video package, Charlotte referred to April 1st. And so, I mean, that was one we kind of already knew about Flair and Ripley on the first night, but stating it outright in this video. Saxton interviewed Rhea, and she said the Flair has a great legacy, but doesn't need a reminder of all the titles she has won. It's going to be Flair's legacy against Rhea's destiny this coming Saturday. So at the end of this, you know, we had, you know, Uso's involvement with Owens and Zayn. Do you feel this is being positioned as the women's title match closing off Saturday? I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're pushing this like like it's it's a main event. Um, it, it was interesting to see they are promoting the Usos, Owen Zane, the biggest tag title match of all time is the tag. Hmm. Like that was said multiple times by Owens and Zane. Um, whether that's themselves inserting this uh this giant tagline to it, um, you know the fact that that was being the the tool for it, I mean that that makes it sound pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think like if they put Rhea versus Charlotte for the end, I don't think it'll fail. I think like we're past the days where like um 
crowds will actively turn on a match. And I don't think it's this, especially for Rhea, like crowds love Rhea and they, they, they like Charlotte enough that I, I think they'll, they'll be into the match, even if it came at, at, at the end of the show. Um, is it the best way to, to peak a show? I don't think so. Um, but I, I just see them doing it for the optics. You know, I, I I was really interested to talk about this on Friday. And, you know, she was against the idea. She said, you know, it reeked of tokenism. And um, that's not something I think the WWE cares about. I think they totally want to play into tokenism and and they care about their perception. So mm-hmm. I, I, I see it closing the show. And I don't think it'll fail. I, I think it'll be fine. What do there you was that, There was the stretch when you go... I would say from 2016 up until the year before the pandemic, you had Hunter and Roman at AT AT&T stadium. And that to me, in my memory, that just, it might've not been the longest show ever, but it certainly felt like the longest show ever. And then they had that lengthy main event at the end. The next year was Taker and Reigns. And that was just a match that just died live being there Mm. for the year after that was Reigns and Lesnar, which was a disaster of a main event with beach balls balls. and People just did not want that match. They rejected that match. And then 2019, you had the women's three-way, which was really fine. It was just, that was a marathon long show. And I think mm-hmm. that was, that to me was the tipping point of the one, that that to me was when the discussion really took hold of separating this because that was too long of a show. The women did fine in the spot, but that was an exhausted crowd after Brian Danielson and Kofi Kingston. And the next year was the pandemic and they split it in two. And I think that the, you know, the three and a half, three hours and 45 minutes that we're probably going to get for these two shows. I think you significantly dial back an audience being um, like some of those years that you saw in succession. Yeah. Agreed. By the way, did you watch the season premiere? I did indeed, but I was very nervous to bring it up because I I don't know. Uh, I don't know (laughs) whether or not you enjoyed it. it. That's all. I mean, just to kill off Connor in such dramatic fashion. Oh, it's stop, just, I mean, God, come on. His 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 obsession to stay at one percent. I just found to be like the funniest. Hilarious. He's going to end up with everything by the yeah. end. I, I'm going to be very sad when this season's done. Yeah, yeah. Final season. It's gone. Yeah. Do you like the hundred? Would you invest in the hundred? No. <laughs> yeah, it looked like I a think, terrible idea. I, I mean, which is what what it was, you know, meant to. I, I like some of the background things that they were saying. Like, was it snack snack pouches or uh, info snacks or, or info parcels? <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about uh, episode one on uh, next year's WrestleMania Go Home Show episode. Okay, so uh, sure. it's okay. coming uh, March two thousand twenty four. <laughs> we'll talk about Succession. SmackDown, they've just announced our Reigns Road segment and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which is all they need to push for for Friday. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, if you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Ben Bauer, he got the, the keys to the dark room this week, and he said that 
he doesn't need to summon his demons. They're always around. So we've got the demon showing up against the devil on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. I mean, they, you know, they, they they needed to, I guess, make it concrete enough that uh, the demon was going to be appearing. You're going to see the fancy entrance. You're going to see a man wearing face paint and uh, enough to, so that they could put it on the graphic and, and all that. And this did it. It looked really cool. You know, some high production in this uh, little darkroom vignette. I thought it made Balor look great. Street Profits, Ricochet and Braun Strowman against the Viking Raiders, Chad Gable and Otis. Uh, they... All eight were in and brawled, and we get Otis, Braun, and Ivar in the ring, and Otis drops Strowman to the floor. Uh, we They get in control of board after the break. Maxine is watching Otis in the back, and then Dawkins comes in, the twisting avalanche, and then the Vikings are in. They attack. Ricochet cleans house, and then Braun does the Strowman Express. Eric stops him with a knee strike and is met with a spine buster. Ricochet gets the tag, and he does a swanton off the shoulders of Braun, followed by Ford leaping over Braun and twisting in midair with the front from the heavens and pins Eric in 11 minutes and 23 seconds, prompting Kevin Patrick to yell, talk about momentum now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you you could talk about it. Um, They're going in with tons of momentum to the WrestleMania showcase. (laughs) It feels like the Price is Right game. The men's WrestleMania showcase fatal four-way tag team match. Okay, get it right. It's ridiculous. I don't know why you need to cram all those words. Like, why do you need to call it a WrestleMania showcase? Because it's a a lot better than eight-man tag with extra parts. Yeah, sure. I guess so. Um, Hey, I thought this was great. Okay. This is a very good match. This is one of the highlights of Raw for me. Sometimes there are matches that you just have negative interest for heading into a pay-per-view. Because there are no stakes, no stories. The people involved are kind of cold and haven't really done much in a while. Then you get something like this on the Go Home Show and you realize everybody in this match is actually pretty good. And in ring, when it's just strictly left to to themselves and a really great match layout, they will deliver something very entertaining and very worthwhile on the show. So this match I thought was a lot of fun. It was very well laid out, beautifully connecting everybody's strengths and big spots and stacking spectacular move after spectacular move. So, you know, if they could top this at Mania, I I think this is going to be a sleeper. Uh, I I feel like this... The thing will be they'll probably have 10 minutes tops, but I like everyone's obviously going to be fast pace. Like, That's it. That 10 just minutes. have a sprint like yeah. these eight. Um, You know, it's it, it requires like that quarterback to sort of like just make sure it, it can all flow in the, in that time period. But I I think that this is going to be one of those sleeper matches, Uh, whatever night this one lands on. Mm-hmm. And Maxine is looking disappointed in the back with Otis as he's uh collecting his thoughts with Gable. Interview with Cody Rhodes backstage with Kathy Kelly and is asked about why he is taking this match with Solo Sokoa. Mentions both are undefeated and has Cody earned it. And this fire, it goes well before I returned to WrestleMania last year. Sokoa is going to find out he's not ready tonight. And then he goes on and beats Roman Reigns this Sunday. Yeah. He, he referenced the Samoan Goodfellas and then they go right to the parody. That's right. He He made one of his like... Cody AEW observational quirks that was, yeah, with their, yeah, he pretty much telegraphed our next segment here. So as expected, we finally got the Bloodlines Goodfellas movie parody. So it's Roman Reigns in the role of Joe Pesci and Paul Heyman as Ray Liotta, which I guess is kind of how this would have to work, even though Paul Heyman would seem like a natural Joe Pesci. So 
But you, you can't have Paul talking down. To, no, to exactly. Anybody. So for the, yeah. for that reason, um, and it's Roman. You find me funny, my like a tribal clown. You and doing Joe Pesci is, I think, what what we're really here for. Today. I'm not doing Joe Pesci. I I could not do Joe Pesci. And Heyman is just all nervous, and then they all finally break. Uh, they do the spot, breaking the bottle over the waiter's head. <laughs> and says, just last week, this guy was asking for WrestleMania tickets, and they all howl. And it ends with Solo Sokoa. You really are a funny tribal chief. And it just gets serious as it ends. So it was almost like this little like nugget that they threw in at the end with, uh, with Solo here, um, which is part of the parody. But then it like they all burst out laughing again at the end. Like it's a sarcastic one. This was done more as Sokoa, like ending this on a serious note, but uh, this one was great. I thought this was the best parody of the, of the whole bunch. This top the, uh, the Joker one for me. It's the most natural one. I mean, to make it's also probably the one every, every single person has seen this scene many times. Yeah. I haven't even seen the movie and I've seen the scene and, and don't, please don't message me about, Oh, I can't. I'm surprised. Surprised. (laughs) Surprised. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an iconic scene, and I actually went back and 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 just kind of looked it up, like just to kind of study it frame by frame. And uh, these are always beautifully composed and and very well shot and edited, and even down to like the background noise of like you know uh, the audio mixing. You know, um, they they really kind of match it perfectly, shot for shot, and they built the tension really well, and it was very well executed. Yeah, I'd probably agree that this is my favorite one. Bianca Belair feature that we went over. Then we have have Austin Theory inside of the empty arena. And I felt like we were back at the the 2020 Go Home Raw going into WrestleMania. Do you remember that one? Just emptiness. It was actually a really good show because they did like some really great promos in this empty setting. Mm -hmm. But it's Austin Theory stating he could lose everything this weekend. And everyone thinks that Cena exposed him. But in fact, Cena exposed himself for being unable to see the future right in front of his own eyes. And why am I... In an empty arena? Great question. Because it doesn't matter if I'm in an empty arena or a packed stadium. I don't do this for the fans or for kids. I do this for myself. Cena made this personal. Everyone looks up to you, but this Saturday, you'll be looking up to me. I will make you believe in Austin Theory, and I will make the audience stop believing in you. I thought a very good promo from Austin Theory, who... Definitely has his work cut out for him. I would say not just with this match, but the fallout of WrestleMania. Like it is going to be his latest sort of period to step up into one of one of these bigger roles, which this program is designed to get him to. Yeah. And I think he he needs these sort of like tent pole promos like this to to really get there. I thought tonight was a really strong promo from Theory and one that like stands a chance of maybe being um remembered in the future maybe as part of like some sort of i don't know highlight highlight video or retelling of the story i thought it was really good i like the idea of it a whole lot you know the way it looks and the the justification for why he did this in front of an empty arena he's not doing this for the crowd not like you john cena you know he he does everything for himself it was i thought the big promo he needed to convey that sense of anger and elevated determination after being cut down so strongly by John Cena. And um, maybe like, is this his best promo on wrong? 
Like, have, have we? Are, do we have many? Like, okay, awesome let, let me ask promos? you this: What's his second best promo? Well, on? that's that's the okay. big question. You know, I think you answered your question. Yeah. It was interesting because this actually does tie into the Cena promo. That part of it was: even if you beat me, you're going to get eaten alive by that live crowd on Raw following WrestleMania. So you have like the juxtaposition of here he is in this setting, a very controlled, empty arena setting where he is not thrown off. Mm-hmm. And next week, you've almost guaranteed you have to put him in that that arena because that was the whole basis of like part of it was not just beating me but then having to come out and contend with the most rabid audience of the year whether they are or are not that next monday that is how it's going to be presented as the the craziest raw of the year next monday and so how they, he fares they really have to ensure you know quite the hot scene and quite the hostile crowd which you know the night after raw you don't really have to worry that much about but they have to have that closing scene with the cena match be pretty significant i would say in order to really like facilitate that big of a reaction for an Austin theory. Cause the last thing you would want is, you know, maybe just an average, you know, night after WrestleMania crowd for a reaction for Austin theory. Um, and I'm sure they're already, you know, working on what, what he has to say. He's probably been practicing what he has to say. Cause you're right, John, that promo the night after WrestleMania is just as important as the match. Sonya Deville and Chelsea green took on Meechin and Candice LeRae who would make it to WrestleMania. So there's a double-team wheelbarrow splash by Meechin and Candice LeRae. Uh, Green then fakes an injury, so the ref checks on her as DeVille hits a cheap shot, setting up the unprettier by Green to Meechin, and they win in 2 minutes and 58 seconds. And someone did bring up the fact that here were two contestants on the 2015 season of Tough Enough, and now are the team going into WrestleMania, which is as good a connection as you could ask for on a... uh, five, six day build for this match. And yet I guess it's th- that stuff's not really like in universe. Like that, that took place outside of the universe in an alternate reality. I, I think. don't think they've ever mentioned on, on uh, WWE programming, the, at least since Chelsea's come back, the tough enough right. uh, origin mm. too, too long ago. Yeah. Cap- Old match, no interest from the crowd. Um, You know, I'm happy for so- Sonia and, and Chelsea to get on, on this card. Chelsea, especially since, you know, she's so new into the company, but she is a character and maybe a, one of the new arrivals that has made a bit of a, you know, um, I guess, um, role for her uh, consistently mm-hmm. on the show. And uh, like, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, no, at least public update, but hopefully nothing too significant with Carmella. Cause that was just, mm-hmm. you know, she was obviously going to be in the spot and then was not there last week when she had the match scheduled. Kelly is with Paul Heyman and he does his go home promo here about Cody Rhodes, not being ready. And why is it so important that you face Sokoa six days before the WrestleMania main event? He says Sokoa is here to weaken Cody for the match against Roman. Roman is ready to stoop to any level to remain champion. He was ready to stop being the big dog and becoming the tribal chief. Cody has never been ready. He was never ready to fill the shoes of Dusty. I thought they were going to cut to Cody vomiting as he promised he would the next time his name was brought up. And he was not ready to be the man of this generation, nor ready to defeat Roman Reigns. Cody needs to be ready to take a beating by Solo tonight. And then with the emotional baggage that Roman is going to dump on him this Friday, he's going to go into Sunday and lose to Roman Reigns, disappointing the WWE universe. And there at his lowest point, he will have to acknowledge the tribal chief. So that is how the Friday segment should be promoted. The emotional baggage gets dropped off. An emotional baggage dumping. 
Yes. Yeah. Emotional baggage claim for one Cody. Rhodes. Ooh. I'm I'm actually very curious to see what this would entail. How do you threaten somebody with dumping emotional baggage on them? You know, what 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 does he have, you know, loaded up in the chamber? Three words. Acknowledge me, Devante. <laughs> oh boy. Maybe he brings out Anthony Agogo. Oh my maybe. goodness. Oh, that'd be lovely. Could you imagine if they could get the rights <laughs> to one AEW highlight pack? <laughs> um, I thought that Paul man's was... never going to live that promo down. Never. Oh, well, not with us, at least. And, and certainly not with the NWA podcast, who had a great show this past Saturday. Go and check it out, everybody. Their WrestleMania preview. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I thought Heyman did tremendously here, you know, building his entire promo about uh, around this being ready motif, taking us on a real journey and giving us some real points about why Cody is not suitable for this tribal chief role. He's not willing to stoop to the levels that Roman is, you know, and that's maybe what it takes to to, to be this dominant and, and to have this much control. So uh, a beautifully composed, I thought, professional wrestling po- uh, promo. I was going to say poem because it really did flow like poetry here. So great job from Heyman. Damian Priest and Dominic are out. Tons of booze for Dominic, who calls Ray a real lowlife for hitting his own child. Love. You really are a deadbeat now. <laughs> I love this. So this is a guy who, you know, has been goading his dad to hit him for weeks, if not months. And the moment he does it, it takes a real low life for a father to beat a child. It's great. He's going to humiliate Ray at, Re- at WrestleMania and prove what a failure of a father he was, which are significant stakes on a match. And they replay the angle from Friday and then Dominic starts speaking in Spanish and says, what kind of father hits his own son and what kind of mother sits there and does nothing? The silence was deafening. And I've never said this out loud, but I wish Eddie was my real father and you never existed. He, he my, didn't say it out loud. He's didn't he? Said a, I feel he a said it quite a few times. Ago. Yeah. And my entire family is a disgrace to the Mysterio name. And the Mysterio name, the Gutierrez name, Gucci, Prada, they will all be mine after WrestleMania. You know, um, it's probably because I don't fully understand the language, but man, um, or I'm, it might be because I don't understand the language. But man, when when Dom spoke Spanish, like he sounded awesome. <laughs> like he sounded like that much more like a real legitimate villain. You know, I, I thought it was great. Uh, like just full of fire and he sounded great here. You know, um, it's, it really is amazing. The transformation that, that I think we've seen from him. Like you posted that you, you made the graphic for uh, the Friday show. And it was like of his, um, like a, the old Dominic, you know, from like the pandemic era, like two and years just, ago. Yeah, I know. And, and just to kind of see that Dominic compared to like who he is, the way he sounds right now, it really is amazing. The transformation that he's had, you know, since uh, really since what is it? The Clash of the Castle, right? When he did the turn. Is that right. what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he really has just been tremendous. And this promo was great. Damian Priest and Ray was a short match. Man, Priest like took his head off with a lariat and then goes for a choke slam off the turnbuckle. Ray turns into a Rana, hits the 619, and as he climbs for the frog splash, Dominic attacks him for the DQ in 311. They're double teaming Ray when Legato runs out, his new kids, and they clear the ring. And that was our our final uh, segment. Uh, I thought. I thought for a second they would have actually had Ray beat Damian Priest, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm reminded that this is uh, a still a big man's company, and th- I mean, it tells you they still obviously see a whole lot of value in Priest, even though he doesn't have a match on this card. He doesn't have a match, but I think um, 
Andrew Andrew actually had a great idea on the on the NWA podcast, but I think like his big WrestleMania booking is going to be the next month in Puerto Rico. I see him yeah. having something really big there, and um, I I would imagine he's going to be a big focus coming out of Mania. But for this, you know, you're you're attached to his hot program. He'll be in his corner. Like that's that's a good role to have on yeah. this show. It's not you know the the best role, but it's it's not Baron Corbin. He's the credibility for Dominic. In that's right. That's right. Video for the Andre Battle Royal and then, dude, like the ultimate geek scene. Gallows, Anderson, and Gargano are at the the principal's, the office door to see if they made the team. And they're geeking out that they're booked in the Battle Royal on SmackDown. And they're just giddy about this. Man, you could not paint Johnny Gargano to look more like Johnny Lawn Gnome than this. I mean, or Garden Gnome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would have probably just left him out, but um, yeah, at least he got a chance to talk about NXT. Oh yeah, this was um, this was great. Uh, Rick Boogs learns he's in. He tells Elias he's in. Elias is in, and Elias says he's going to win. He turns into Dexter Loomis, then Bronson Reed, and then finally Bobby Lashley, who says he will see Elias on Friday. So I would say at this point, everyone has probably assumed that Bray Wyatt is not going to be part of wrestlemania and i could certainly see some angle coming out of this match that gets lashley onto one of the nights um whether that be i think so i think that you have a few options i think that lashley and bronson reed is an option i think lashley and la Knight, if it's just to get a match on there um I, i see it as possible just to get another match on the show I think that with Lashley, I think he's one of your guys that you want to have represented on on WrestleMania. This is the represent. Well, okay, yeah, you're right. I guess um, this. I, I keep forgetting the Battle Royals on Friday. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe. Then we had a replay of the Kevin Owens show from SmackDown, where they are attacked by the Usos, and Owens and Zayn cut a promo backstage in their new shirts, calling it an emotional year. And it is the biggest tag title match of all time. They started with nothing in Montreal, but it was in Los Angeles that we got our big break. Getting booked in 2004, I think it was, in PWG. They did everything to refer to PWG without saying the letters in this promo. And that's their motivating factor for this weekend. They're returning to Los Angeles as a team. And Owen says, me and Zane, all of our fights together or against each other have been about moving our careers forward. Nothing gets bigger than this. We're facing the best team in WWE, which was true until last week when we got together and we're going to prove we are the best tag team and will become the undisputed tag champions. Mm. I know we really all wanted this hug, but I I, I think I, I speak for most of us when I say uh, these two are way better when they're on opposing sides, you know, because um, they, they, this needs to happen. Of course, they need to have the, the, the tag team match and they probably even need to win the tag team titles. But they're nowhere near as interesting when they're working together as they are when they're opposing each other. It's sort of like you. Like on any sitcom where it's like, will they get together or won't they? And then once they do. It's like, okay, well, it was so much was like the, the chase and it becomes yeah. tough. Like once you have delivered and where, where you go after that. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I'm ready for Owens to turn on him. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Gunther and Dolph Ziggler. Um, man, poor Dolph Ziggler. He comes out, Graves is staining. You know, he loves to play the spoiler role. Dolph Ziggler 
there's the Baron Corbin level. There's also the level where all show long, they only promoted Gunther will be in action. That's the treatment. Dolphin. Well, they don't want you to turn the channel. They they want you to think that this might be a significant matchup, not a matchup, but not a job match. Basically, that's where you're at. Where you're you're a liability to even mention are going to be on television tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> this poor guy, uh, he goes for a famouser, kicks out of that Gunther powerbomb, last symphony, five forty seven. Mike Rome announcing Gunther as the winner. Certainly doesn't hit the same way as Samantha Irvin. Mm, I, 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 th- really... I think Gunther is going to have one of those crazy mania entrances this weekend. I, mm. would, I would say he's a candidate. And I'm ready for Samantha Irvin to deliver the the ultimate introduction for, mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this match was all about making Gunther look good and hard to find a better candidate for that than Adolf Ziggler. Uh, maybe a Mustafa Ali would have been great in this role as well. But um, those, chops... those two, listen, they were uh, they were the helpers on this show and they yeah. did their roles to perfection. The chops looked and sounded great, and uh, you know he he got a showcase on a on a night of the week where he doesn't usually appear. And Gunther addresses Sheamus and Drew. It's a disgrace that he is forced to defend against both. This is their fate that awaits them as they just look at Ziggler's lifeless body laying there on the mat. Um, if you're gonna put him over strong, then you yeah, hey, that's you, what you, you should, do. This you guy was dead from his last symphony. It was his yeah. last symphony. And then the main event, Cody Rhodes against Solo Sokoa with Paul Heyman in his corner. Sokoa throws him around asking, who's not ready now? And then Sokoa gets thrown into the steps and his knee is wrapped around the post. Rhodes' tope is caught and he takes a slam onto the desk and then a spinning solo onto the desk. They go through the break. It's all Sokoa until Rhodes fights back. Disaster kick gets Solo to one knee and then the Cody cutter takes him down. He hits the crossroads, but it's a delayed cover. And then Sokoa just gets his foot on the rope. Not as dramatic as you would think for a, for a crossroads near fall. Cody then climbs. He's screaming at Heyman and then misses with the moonsault. And Heyman is smiling at this mistaken judgment. He ducks the Samoan spike, hits a second Cody cutter. At this point, the Usos come down and it sets up a super kick and the spinning solo for a two count. When Owens and Zayn arrive, fighting with the Usos to the back. And then Sokoa stops the disaster kick. Cody ducks the Samoan spike and hits the crossroads to win, delivering Solo his first loss on the main roster in 12 minutes and 54 seconds. And the go-home segment ended with Paul Heyman calling home, I guess, or calling Roman on his phone. He was on, like, a speakerphone here. Yeah, I would assume it was Roman. Um, you think Roman doesn't have cable? Does he, um, did he not see what, what, well, what be, what's Paul telling he, him? He wants the live play by play, maybe. You know, he's like, uh, hey, did you did you tell tell the Usos what happened? I could the, the camera's not always on the Usos, I guess. Um <laughs> I don't maybe know. maybe he's a cord cutter. Could be, yeah, yeah. Um you only get smackdown in the house, like with rabbit ears. The very good question, yeah. Uh hey, this is um a big match that they saved for the go home show of a WrestleMania. By the time they got to it, I felt like it was a good match. I kind of feel like the win maybe by the end of the show should have felt a bit more significant, but you know what? It, 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 it was significant enough. Um, and, and I think the booking of it with the interference makes total sense. You know, you put the heat on solos loss on the Usos inability. And that's thanks to Sammy, Sammy and Kevin. This was a win that gave momentum to Cody and Sammy and Kevin for their united mission to take down the bloodline. I mean, all four members of the bloodline up until a certain point have all felt unbeatable in their own ways, all of them holding on to some form of streak or a title. And this was the first domino to fall. 
so to speak. Um, and I, I thought it was very good. Cody wrestles like a very classic, you know, style of match, which is a really good fit for a WWE main event role. Nothing overly flashy, but just a lot of like solid fun- fundamentals, good selling, good fire. And the crowd is eating all of it up. So I thought this was good. Safe simple booking and again if you are going to end a big undefeated streak this is the time and the place uh, to do it i definitely Mm -hmm. talked myself into like the the more creative way was coming up with a way that solo gets your win going into this but you know you don't have to um you know go off the map with a with a different kind this was like simple effective and it was you know uh you know the reliable booking choice to go into this with you know your your multiple year-long title reign against this Cody undefeated streak from the past year as well. So mm-hmm. I, I thought overall this this was a very enjoyable episode of Raw. I thought a lot of the go-home segments and promos were very strong on the show. I felt it was a three-hour show that went by very quickly, uh, as quickly as three hours can. It was a good-paced show as well. And I think that a lot of the programs are in good shape. And the ones that were not, like a Bianca Oscar, they did what they could on on this show to sort yeah. of lift it up. Yeah, this to me felt like a, kind of like a like a Barker show, like like you know, basically like a preview show of sorts. You know, just there to remind you what the card is and to just kind of really cement a lot of the rivalries that are still there. Um, and um, yeah, in that sense, it was effective. I. I I wouldn't necessarily say you have to watch this one. I mean, if you're a big, you know, Cody fan, you want to get the full story. Yeah. Watch the main event by all means. Uh, I thought um, Dominic, you know, had had a really good interaction with Ray, but not necessarily like completely integral to the story. Um, I really liked the eight man tag. I thought that was like, as far as wrestling goes, that might've been my favorite thing. Yeah, it it went stuff. from a nothing match to one that I'm, I'm at least looking forward to for, you know, whatever time that they are allotted on the show that, you know, everyone on these shows are going to be going all out. Um, But that that's one where it's it's eight guys that do not have a whole ton of focus and they will have their 10, 12 minutes to go out there and have something spectacular. And you have the talent among those eight to do something that at least leaves a bit of a mark, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll open it up to you. If you want to throw in any super chats, you are welcome to do so. And we will go to our feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. Yeah, we got a couple super chats here. Thank you, all you guys who continue to join us live. And uh, if you guys want to jump to the front of the line, get your thoughts in before everybody else uh, and support the channel. We will very happily read your super chats. And the first one comes to us from Brian Dillon sending 20 euros, which I think is like you know, $500 Canadian at this point, John. So thank you very much, Brian. Uh, Hey guys, absolutely nothing to do with raw, but I finally got to listen to your talk episode about being new parents. I've been saving it for when our baby arrived. Best show you guys ever did. Keep up the great work. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations, Brian. Brian. Um, Thank you so much. That means a lot. And uh, I I hope you, you took some of our, our experiences. We're, we're not the, uh, the be all end all of what works, what doesn't, but we just went through our experiences. That was a very enjoyable show. I like doing that one. How's your swaddling, Brian? You know, uh, yeah, that, that, know. it's tough. It's tough. It's like the zippers. Uh, you got to get the zip up, zip up ones. Really, if you if you can wrap a burrito, you can wrap a you you can do the swaddling. Yeah, yeah but it takes sure. it, it takes some effort for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. Um, the next one comes to us from Annie Rude, who sends a a hundred and ten. I have no idea what this denomination is. Um, do you, John? Um, American dollars. It's got to be. <laughs> 
I know I don't think so. I I I apologize. Uh, but he says, did the main event for Shadow Mania, Sammy slash KO brawl with the Usos while Solo avenges this defeat by costing Cody and taking away his moment? I think that sounds like a terrible ending to WrestleMania is that Sola does a run-in and costs Cody the main event of WrestleMania. Um, no, I do not see that telegraphing it. Solo and the Usos getting involved, of course, that makes sense. But no, I do not see Solo just doing a run-in and costing him the match. I mean, Solo Sokoa is definitely excellent, and he's far exceeding, I, I think, everybody's expectations for, you know, how new, relatively new he is in, in this whole 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 industry for to, to be able to handle a role like this. But I don't think he's, like, Oh, no, I'm, I'm not sprinting deal. to the, get this guy out of this role. Like, he, you can see some, lim- you can see his limitations at times. Like, this is still a guy that is very, very new to this, and being attached to this group has been the best thing for him. But I... I am not clamoring that, man, this guy has got to just get out there and be on his singles run. Like there, there is plenty of time for that. And I don't see him there yet. Yeah, it's going to be, it's too, too much maybe for him. Uh, Let's go lastly here to Jake, who sends a $10 super chat. Thank you, Jake. He says, Hey fellas, unfortunately I'm going to be missing many of this year as I'm going to be with my family in the Philippines for the funeral of my grandfather, but I'll still listen to the recaps as always. Uh, Very sorry to hear that, Jake. Uh, Very sorry. Our condolences, Jake. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for the the support over all of the years as well. Mm -hmm. Jake has been a a long time listener here at post. All right. Um, Muggin writes in, a strong final sprint towards WrestleMania. Becky versus Io was very good and a nice reminder of how much of a world beater Io is in a single setting. Solo Sokoa took his first loss, and it doesn't suck that he lost to the man who could be champion on Sunday. The promo packages were good, but there was no clarity to each night's card yet. I'll bet it gets straightened out on Friday. Yeah, so at least on Wikipedia, the first night includes Austin Theory and John Cena, Seth Rollins against Logan Paul, the women's six tag, six woman tag with damage control against Becky, Lita, and Trish. Brock against Omos and Charlotte Flair against Rhea Ripley. Night two, they have only officially announced Roman against Cody Rhodes. So, yeah, I would imagine throughout the week they will probably make it more clear what's on what night. But it it would certainly seem. I, I guess the big question mark is just if the Usos match somehow had a storyline reason to be on night two as opposed to night one when most are assuming it to be yeah yeah um you know my bet would be night one just because you know there's so many people interested in maybe that storyline the most this year and i think to spread it across both nights would evenly spread that interest if you want to get the full story um but yeah night one i i other than that match like I, i don't think it really matters for me you know what's what's on night one or what's on night two Well, we will have plenty of time this week to go over the card against Thursday. We'll be doing a big preview of both nights of WrestleMania and stand and deliver with Davey Portman, who will be uh, joining us. And then, of course, uh, Brandon Thurston on and Tuesday, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter will be on our WrestleMania week coverage over at postwrestlingcafe.com. Six dollars gets you into the door and access to all of our Mania week coverage and a whole month of access from the time that you sign up. So you can check out our entire five plus year archive. You get rewind to SmackDown every Friday night, new Japan reviews, impact reviews. And next Tuesday, we will be dropping our next rewind away, which will be covering how timely CM Punk's appearance on the art of wrestling in November of 2014. We will go through that two plus hour podcast and look at it some nine years later and it always ties into the present as well. So more CM Punk coming next Tuesday post WrestleMania. 
I have a feeling like CM Punk might might be one of the biggest names this WrestleMania cycle, despite not having a match whatsoever. We'll see what he tweets. You know, that always tends to make headlines. Or, but... or Instagrams. Or Instagrams, that's right, yeah. Uh, but we are also, of course, available at video.postwrestling.com in the members section if you want to get access to our shows, our bonus shows this week in video form, and that includes our interviews with Speedball Mike Bailey, Nick Hausman, Dave Meltzer tomorrow, and more to come later this month. Uh, if you want to listen on Apple Podcasts exclusively, you can find us through the Apple Podcasts app by hitting the join button i believe if you uh, browse over to our page of course if you're a patreon postwrestlingcafe.com member you can always insert your own rss into your apple podcast app but if you don't want to deal with patreon at all strictly want to listen through apple Podcasts, you can join there as well and you can also just hit subscribe on the youtube channel that that helps too let's let's get that number through the roof let's let's go for seventy five thousand, and we'll settle for 65 okay everyone with a heartbeat sure hit subscribe. And that is it for us. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Raw. And thank you most of all to my microphone. Good night.